Good evening, everybody. It's time to begin this evening. Tonight we'll have one song, and then Brian has our announcements. Two more songs, and Chris has our Devo, or our lesson this evening. Our first song tonight is number 982, We Shall Assemble, 982. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With the full heart into his presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion. Good evening. We have a few announcements to go with before we start our service this evening. The youth events, July 11th at Grayson Lake, kayak on the grotto. July the 12th before Wednesday evening services, there will be a video scavenger hunt. And July 15th, they're going to the Yatesville Water Park in Louisa. Also remember July 18th, the Young at Heart will be meeting. And July 20th through the 23rd, Beckley Family Mission Trip. Remember to take a look at our mowing schedule and if you can help out there. And next week there will be no class, just a Devo on Wednesday night due to it's camp week. On the prayer list, remember Jimmy Wilgus, Jim Haney, Amber Spitzer, and Sean Maynard. Are there any other, any other announcements? Yes, sir. Uh, team, Brian, at team what? Water games. Team Water Games this Friday here at the church, 2 o'clock. Any other announcements? Aren't you about me, please? Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father, and we're thankful for this opportunity we have to gather here this evening, Father, to study from your word. Father, be with us as we do this. Be with the people that are teaching our classes. Father, help us to take this, these words of yours and apply them to our lives. Thank you for Jesus and everything he does for us. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Next song this evening is on the overhead only, it's Light the Fire. 
I know we've led this before, but it's been a long time, so light the fire. I stand. Last song before our lesson this evening is number 627, Glory Land Way. 627, if you would let stand for this song, please.
please be seated. Song of Invitation is number 272. I have decided to follow Jesus. Good evening. I bet you all know someone who just never seems happy, don't you? Uh, I've ran across several people across my lifetime that just seem to focus on the bad. Uh, and you'll say, well, how's today going? They could have just won the lottery. Well, uh, I'm not feeling too good. I didn't sleep very well last night. You know those kind of people, right? But you also know the kind of people that are on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, they are always happy. They're optimistic. Uh, it could be the worst day possible for them. And, well, how are you doing? Oh, I, I'm, I'm going okay. It's going good. You know, it's all in what you look for, isn't it? We found uh, people that are searching for things that will make them discontent, that will make them unhappy. And guess what they find? They find excuses to be unhappy, don't they? But also you find people that are looking for the silver lining. And it doesn't really matter what kind of situation they are, they're put in. Guess what they'll find? They'll find the positives in that situation. Flip over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. It's where we're going to spend a little bit of our time this evening in our devotional here. Philippians chapter 4. The Bible makes no mistake that what you think leads to what you do. Right? What you think leads to what you do. And so if you're struggling with your actions, you're not struggling with actions, you're struggling with your heart. Uh, repeatedly, Scripture will point back to our hearts as um, the, um, the beginning uh, of where these actions come from. And so if I'm struggling with discipline, if I'm struggling with self-control, if I'm struggling with anger, if I'm struggling with patience, this doesn't start with my actions. It starts in my heart. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says these words, uh, To a good congregation... Uh, Philippi is one of the one of the congregations he's so he's so so proud of. They're not like Corinth. Corinth has a lot of issues, uh, and you find that through their two letters that Paul writes to them, just issue after issue after issue uh, that Paul has to to deal with. But it's not like that in Philippi. These are good, kind, generous, disciplined people who love the Lord and want to do what's right. It's interesting. That to this congregation, Paul pins these words in Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What had they been thinking about? Paul seems to think that it's necessary here to remind them that they need to be thinking through this, this type of things, these, these specific things that he mentions here in verse 8. He, he seems to think, by inspiration obviously, that these are important for them to think on. And so they, they must have been thinking about something else, right? Well, maybe we have a little bit of a hint earlier on in this chapter in verse 2 when we meet uh, these two ladies, their names are Euodia and Synecdoche. They're having a disagreement. We don't know what the disagreement's about, but Paul um, pleads with them and with uh, this, uh, his, this person he calls his true companion to help these, these women uh, who have labored side by side with, with him in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He wants them to agree 
they've been looking for opportunities to disagree, right? They've been looking for opportunities to fight, to find fallacies and to find fault in each other. And Paul says, let's, let's put that behind us now. Uh, and obviously he's going to go through more uh, than just these two ladies' disagreement. But maybe that stands as a whole for the, for the church as a whole here. When he reminds them, these are the type of things that you need to be thinking through. Don't allow your mind to betray you. In, Philipp- or, excuse me, in Proverbs chapter 4, we get another little bit of uh, insight into, into how tricky our hearts can be. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Some translations will say guard. Uh, My ESV says keep. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. I I like that translation guard, and that's a good translation. Uh, Our hearts are something that needs to be guarded. It needs to be Protected, but it also needs to be watched over, doesn't it? Because if we don't watch over it, what will happen to it? It will be led astray so, so easily. We live in a culture that has forsaken just about every biblical principle you can think of. Just about every standard that God has given to his people, our culture has perverted that and twisted it and turned it Uh, into a bad thing uh, or into something that shouldn't be tolerated or into something that should be accepted when God doesn't accept it. And so in the midst of that type of culture, we especially need to pay extra close attention to our hearts. We need to guard them even more fiercely now than we have in the past. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus would echo the same thought. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Starting in verse 43, to really get the context of what he's, what he's going after here. Luke 6, 43 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person out of, the, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's going to accuse uh, very strongly the Pharisees of this exact problem. He's going to call them whitewashed tombs. Uh, they are so concerned with the letter of the law that they've missed the spirit of the law. They're doing physically all the right things, but guess where their hearts are? They haven't been guarded, and so they're far away from him. They don't, they don't love him. They're following his rules, but the love isn't there. They're, they're just going through the motions. This, this, is, this is lip service, and Jesus is not pleased with that. And so con- constantly he will castigate the Pharisees for this exact thing. Repeatedly, time and again, he will... Remind them to watch their hearts, to guard their hearts, because their hearts are not in sync with His. We have a similar issue. Sometimes it's very easy for our hearts to fall out of sync with His. We buy into what our culture and our world tells us is important. We buy into what they say should motivate us. We buy into 
our, putting our identity in those things. And he says those things are not where you find your identity. That's not where you find your purpose. That's not where your heart ought to be. He says your heart should be set on Jesus. In Philippians 4, he reminds us of some of those things that we should be constantly thinking through. It's no wonder, of course, that uh, he would provide feasts, three different feasts throughout Israel's history. Every year they were supposed to celebrate these specific feasts. Uh, it was an effort to remind them of how good God has been in the past and how he will continue to take care of them in the future. How he's provided for them in the past abundantly and how they ought to put their trust in him in the future. Those are constant reminders to the Israelites that God is trustworthy. These are the kinds of things that he wants them to think on. In Psalm chapter 1, we would find him saying that you need to meditate on those things. We don't, we don't talk very much about meditation uh, in the church, but maybe we should, at least the way that he talks about it. In Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's focused on it. It's, it's always in front of them. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, you'll remember uh, the Shema, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he said these things should, these principles, this, this, this thought, this focus ought to be bound on your wrist and as frontlets in between your eyes. And of course the Jews took that literally, right? They put phylacteries, these little boxes, uh, with, this, with this scripture, Deuteronomy 6.4, they would put that in between their eyes. And so every time they, they looked out, they would see it, but that's never what he meant. He always meant for this to be written on their hearts. They were supposed to be meditating on it. We don't change our hearts. We don't overcome the world in this way without being saturated with him. Spending enormous amounts of time in his word. Spending enormous amounts of time in prayer. These are how we fight against all the darts that Satan can throw at us, all the, all the, uh, the, the end games that our culture and our world and Satan has for us. This is how we fight against it, with the sword of the Spirit. We focus on these things. And to a good congregation, to arguably one of the best congregations in the first century, Paul reminds them, you may be doing the right things, but you need to focus on your heart because it's, it might not be in sync with his. And that's what we're after. That's the one thing that we're striving for is to make sure that our hearts are in sync with his. I want to think like he thinks. I want to react to the world like he reacts. I want to tolerate what he tolerates, but I, I don't want to tolerate what he refuses to tolerate. To do that, because we are so immersed in our culture, it's culture, that's what it does. It immerses you into it. You're, you're baptized, submerged into your culture. Everyone across all cultures are. But to fight against that, we've got to get back to 
his culture. And you find that here in Scripture. And it just takes an egregious amount of time. A lot, a, a, a huge amount of time to get back into that culture. To focus on those things. To wrap your mind constantly around those things. Flip over to Deuteronomy 6. Real quick, we'll end uh, our thoughts with, with this passage. We alluded to it just a second ago, but I want you to hear it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. He says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which are commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. He's telling you how to live a successful life, right? You want to, you want to do well in this land that you're going over to possess? It's going to be hard there. They've got a different culture than you do. They're going to worship different gods. They think differently than you do. This, this it supplies to us just as much as it did to them. Because we're fighting the exact same culture war, swimming upstream against our culture. So you want to be successful living this type of life. He's going to tell you how to be successful. Verse 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these, command, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them. This is what we were talking about earlier. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He, he says you never stop focusing on this. You, you, you immerse yourself into his world so that you can look at his kingdom the way that he looks at it. So you can look at his people, yourself, as he looks at you. So you can find your identity here, not there. Because there's no power there. There's only death and destruction there. We have to immerse ourselves into this culture to think on these things. That's where the power is. And when we do that... He has a way of transforming us and changing us so that we can fall more and more in line with who he would have us to be. But we have to focus on this. We've got to immerse ourselves into this culture. This Jesus is Jesus's culture. It's found in scripture. And once we focus on it, all the other things that our culture tries to sell us as truth just come up false, don't they? You think on these things. There's power here. And there's, no, there's not power to be found anywhere else. This evening, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, that's the first step to, to uh, becoming one with Him, to being transformed into His image, to have your sins washed away, to put that life behind you and become a brand new creation inside of Him, wholly suited for His purposes to adopt His culture. Tonight, maybe you've already made that decision and you're struggling. We want to pray with you that you can overcome. If you have any need tonight, won't you come as we stand and sing?
Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this day. We ask that uh, you be with each one here this evening, Father, that they uh, should receive a special blessing from Chris's uh, message. We pray that uh, you'll be with us in the coming days and weeks ahead, that uh, you would give us the opportunity to share our hearts about Jesus with someone. We pray for these uh, sick, Father, that uh, you might be with them, be with their doctors, uh, uh, Father, that uh, you give them special wisdom on how to treat them and that you would bring them back to full health. For this I ask in Jesus' name, amen.